0: listening to community-supported Akaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at akaville.org. Acaville giving listeners worldwide something to sing about.
1: At the top of the hour this hour... Home Free is wrapping up their timeless tour, but only to go right back out on the road for their Christmas tour. This is their third annual Christmas tour. The Christmas tour kicks off on Saturday, November 24th, right after Thanksgiving at Harrah's Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. From there, they'll crisscross across the United States and end up in Phoenix, Arizona on Monday, December 31st. For tickets, please go to homefreemusic.com tour. Tickets are going fast, as the show in Wausau, Wisconsin on Saturday, December 22nd is already sold out. While you're on their site, you can download or stream or watch their latest single, Finally Free.
2: Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to another episode of Tacapella. I'm one of your co-hosts,
3: John Lampis. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Alexander. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well, John. It's been a pretty good week. How about yourself?
2: You know, it's good. I just started uh, the high school aspect of my student teaching, and I have tricked the high school students into thinking I'm like a cool teacher. They don't realize (laughs) how lame I am yet, which is really fun. Someone who is not lame and who I don't have to trick (laughs) is Sean Pierce, who is joining us today. Sean of the AKA Alumni Project. Sean, how are you doing? You
4: have no empirical proof that I'm not
2: lame. Hey, that's true. But you know what? This whole thing is distilled. I edit everything, so you can be as cool as you want for this moment, and that's that's what I tell myself every week, at least.
3: Yeah, we haven't had a lame guest at all, so that's true.
2: That's except the episode where it was just me and Brian, and then it was oh, I mean that was kind of just the both of us. So that was kind of. (laughs) Sean, can you tell us a little bit? about yourself and this is how we kind of phrase the question how do you do acapella
4: i do acapella in any way i possibly can do it what i'm i'll talk a little bit about the project itself right now Yeah. but just cliff's notes version of me i've been involved with acapella for about for over 25 years pushing 30 Um, i got started at penn state sang with a bunch of different groups up there, both as a student and then after a student, because at that time, Penn State had a interesting little side rule in that non-students can participate in student organizations as long as they do not hold official office. So I literally was part of the Penn State community for about eight years after I left
3: college. Nice. <laughs> I like that little uh, way you found to kind of maneuver through this system. It's the same
2: same at CSU, yeah. I think more groups are doing that now. I mean, I I don't have
3: nearly the
4: longevity that Benjamin Ward had at Duke, but...
2: Yeah, hey, you're you're, you're sticking around. You're doing what you love. Nothing wrong with that. So you're involved at Penn State. That's where you got involved with acapella. What's been your journey since then?
4: Well, I got married and left Penn State finally (laughs) um, and had been starting to get back into... Doing a a post-college group with my kids starting to get a little older and me being able to let my wife with them Mm -hmm. for an hour or two a night. And then I was involved in a car accident that took part of my legs and part of my voice. Some woman hit me head on, fell asleep at the wheel, pushed my engine block into the driver's and passenger area of the car. Um, oh. Hospitalized for about five months, they had to do an emergency tracheotomy, seven operations on my legs, a couple operations on my esophagus, very dangerously near my vocal cords. The end result is I am able to walk, although short distances. Mm-hmm. So that that's better than where I was. My vocal cords themselves were not terribly effective, so I can still hold pitch, but my lungs took some severe damage. Uh-huh. And thus, I can't hold or project a note for much longer than a measure, which kind of makes acapella hard. I can get by at alumni reunions with vocal percussion, mm-hmm. with a lot of smoke and mirrors, and a lot of help from the guy behind the boards. I don't embarrass myself there or anything like that, but I'm about 25% of the musician I was before the accident.
2: Well, I think I can speak for both Brian and I when we say we're we're glad you're you know functionally we're glad you can be involved. We're glad that you are uh, you're still with us because that's um, clearly a terrifying situation, and we're and we're just glad we can have you on the show today to just still enjoy talking about acapella and and what makes it so enjoyable. So, how did the Ac alumni project come about out of this horrific accident? How how did you move past that? How did you? Move forward, and how does AUK alumni tie into that?
4: Well, the first step that I moved past it is back in 2011, I hung up a shingle for an online arranging service. Mm. Yep. And that ran pretty well until they started getting a little bit tighter on on the copyright laws. And I had to stop doing that for a while. I resurfaced a couple years ago and was hired by Clear Harmonies Productions based out of Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore area, actually, um, as a, as a non staff arranger. But I just kind of couldn't get out of not being able to create. Mm-hmm. You can ar- yeah. arranging is creating in and of itself. But when you're doing it for hire, once they sign the check and you hand it over, it's more or less out of your hands. So I kind of missed having that. I used to direct groups on a regular basis. I missed having that hands-on ability to do something. So a friend of mine who's actually one of the leaders of the group now, Meg Letter, suggested in a discussion one day, have you ever thought about having people sing their stuff remotely Mm. and do a group that way? Mm. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like it could work i don't think it could work i mean, maybe it could work it just kind of floated around my head and fortunately i had a lot of friends in the industry that would that helped me spitball the beginning seeds of it.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
4: realized right. when I do that did that I would have to learn a skill I'd never never worked on before and that's audio engineering. Yeah. Right. I've been an odd active audio engineer in terms of the learning process
3: for about 16 months. Yeah. So Sean, um I'm like I'm just listening about your project and it's 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 really cool and amazing. And like nowadays we see a lot. Of people getting to the whole, um, you know, the, the multi-tracking, doing a lot of things via remote, doing streaming and things like that, and it's just like your your concept for this group just makes so much sense. And I'm just curious, how did you how do you get people to join? You know, how did how did they become a part of this group? How did you find those are, are early people? Were they just like friends or? Well,
4: the the basic seed behind the idea of the group, once I started thinking it through, was actually Eric Whitaker's virtual choirs, and he and where he had hundreds to thousands of people film themselves singing a part of their arrangement. Now, I don't have access to the technology, the production level that Eric does. So we had to do it on a bit of a smaller scale. We tell people who are interested, the first thing is we don't have an audition. Because my okay. thought process is, if you sang in a group in high school or college, which is a prerequisite, at some point, you will pass an audition somewhere. Mm-hmm. And who am I to second guess? the thought process of the first group that had you sing with them. So we don't do it as an audition process. What we do have, however, is a short-term training program. We give people a list of cost-effective equipment that they can obtain. Like We have a listing of, I won't say budget, Like there's a certain level we won't go below because the recordings just don't turn out workable. But like Blue Snowball, Blue Yeti, those types of Entry level plug and play home home recording microphones that run, it can run you 60 to 120 depending on whether or not you find a good eBay sale. Getting them that, showing them how to create a pop screen on a budget if they don't feel like buying one themselves, how to create an isolation box on a budget. There's a great YouTube video where the materials cost about 20 bucks and you can make a nice little Surround thing for your for your microphone so that it's it's mainly getting what's coming at it rather than what's around it. And then we have a we have a process where we show them how to use Audacity because that's a free version that is relatively easy for a beginner to use.
2: Literally using it right
3: now. (laughs) Same (laughs) here.
4: And we create a tracking package from the mids, from the files that I create, so that all of our performers who don't have a whole lot of experience have to do is just drop that file into Audacity, record their track to their part, and export. But we have a system to make certain that they're able to do all the technical it's aspects. standardized, yeah. Yeah, we call it the tech check. And once they pass the tech check, then we work with them about how to record in a vacuum, how to express emotionally in a vacuum, things like that, and get them ready to actually do projects with us.
3: Wow. So, Sean, I'm like, you're giving us a lot. I'm like, my so mind is much. processing this. I'm like, there's... So there's so many cool things going on about this group. I kind of want to kind of take a step back a little bit, if you don't mind me uh, asking and just kind of get into a little bit about the culture, because you, you say, first off, the thing that just clicked was that there's no audition for the group. And I'm just thinking back to when I was a post- a uh, collegiate type of uh, singer, and you know, right after school, that would have been my first, you know, jump as to hear that this is a group you don't have to audition for. And then secondly, you mentioned that uh, you know this is kind of a virtual thing; everyone can come from all these different places, and you know, with that, you start getting into the group dynamics. And okay, well, it doesn't seem like there's a clear definition of roles, or like there's a need, or might not be a necessity. And I'm just curious how. You know, what's the culture of the group a little bit? What's the whole dynamic structurally?
4: We have a centralized group of four people we call the herders. My role with the group, I'm not a musical director per se. I'm once called a project manager. What I do is my primary role is each song we record, we call a project. And my job is to make certain that that project runs smoothly from when the sheet music is sent out and the recording recording parts and the learning tracks to when it comes to the point where we do the comping, the editing, the mixing, things like that. Right at this time, I am the sole editor mixer within the group. We have a friend of the group that helps us out with editing and mixing from time to time. Um, shout out to Nina Poligra, based out of Boston. But right now, that's it. So we kind of tailor our speed and how we release projects based on the workflow that we have. I'm also, within that structure, next comes a project lead. That can be anyone who arranges a song or who wants to take charge of the actual creation of the of this music for the song sometimes that's me we've had other people in the group front that up as well and they're in charge of going through each phase of the project Mm -hmm. to make certain that the recordings improve to the point that we can take them to mix
2: wow this is this is an in-depth process it sounds like almost like when i'm working on like a like a school project or something there's so many (laughs) steps here and that's i think that makes sense
4: part of the year for us to come up with a system that flowed and worked and for like the first six months there was a lot of trial
2: and error
3: For sure, Mm. yeah
2: (laughs) yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense so with this system that you've developed i mean that's just clearly something that a lot of acapella groups that just people who meet take for granted because it is just simply not needed for those kind of you know projects they're doing where they just learn this stuff together and they collaborate with each other so i'm really curious like what's and this might be too broad of a question but like what's the feel of the group when you're like when everything's so kind of standardized and you have such like you're not with everybody all the time like how do you like what's the sense of satisfaction what do you feel like when you're doing this stuff because i know i'm someone based on just my privilege of being able-bodied i've always just imagined oh yeah acapella you just go and you and you relate to people and then you make that experience Mm -hmm. but for people who don't have that privilege like what does this feel like when you're doing it? What's the satisfaction you get from this?
4: I can only speak for me personally, mm-hmm. but as the editor and mixer, and the person who half the time is also working with the people in, in, in one of my arrangements or one of someone else's arrangements, I have never had more direct control of how a song ends.
2: That, that makes a lot mm. of sense.
4: I directed groups for many, many years, And I can tell them how the song is supposed to sound. I can give them tips, work with them on notes, things like that. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that are singing it. And the end result of the live performance lays on the lays at the feet of everybody that's on that stage. In this, there's still a certain aspect of that because you need quality recordings to make quality recordings. But with the editing and the mixing and be able, being able to make the choices of what I want to automate into crescendos and decrescendos here, what kind of effect I want to put there... Mm-hmm. It's the most hands-on I have ever been in terms of the creation of a final product. And that has been as somebody who arranges to hear what the arrangement sounds like, that is an incredible blessing to me to have.
2: That sounds so yeah. satisfying. I'm I'm currently a student teacher at a local high school for choir. And you know, I'm working with groups on certain songs. I, I work with the community choir on the weekends, and so much of choir is you know, correcting and trying to communicate, I want this sound, what are the words I can say that will guide you towards this sound and the Mm -hmm. the kind of product and the vision of the performance I have in my mind. So that seems so interesting that it's almost like they give you the raw tools and then you do almost the work and make that sound almost like a hands-on approach that just isn't really like a thing you can do. Like if Brian's singing in a group of mine, I can't get in there (laughs) and like, I can tell Brian, Hey Brian, work on this or can you do this solo? Or can you sing this vowel?" But you're talking about control. And I think that is so crazy interesting. And, and you say that it's, it's a very satisfying, enjoyable process.
4: I can speak for me and it's yes. I'm assuming that the people that we have with the group, are still, that are still doing this after a year, are satisfied with the process as well i know a lot of them their first click to what's going on is when i send out the first rough mix Mm. because then they hear it all together and then they can give feedback to me
2: like do a decrescendo here or like they're editing their own performance and the final product is like the performance it's almost like it's a rough draft of a concert and then you're editing it i bet that Wow. Kind of helps you guys relate in like a different kind of way than other groups. Brian, what do you think of this, man? This is so cool.
3: Yeah, I'm like, like you said, it's such a completely different and like really unique concept because, like I said, so much of the energy that I get when I perform comes a lot from the rehearsals and those moments that you've had with other people to really develop. And I'm, I'm listening to your system of doing things, Sean. And it's just like, wow, this is, it, it works. I'm like, it's different than what I've ever done before, but hearing it out loud, the process works. And for me, I'm like, I get the whole audio part because I've, I've studied a lot of audio and it, it clicks at the end of the day. And I'm curious, you're like uh, how, many, how many people are in your group, Sean? Yeah.
4: We have an active roster at the moment of 29. Not everybody sings on every project though. Okay. We have a core group of recorders that we can we call mentors. And their job is to be available for each project and also to help other people that aren't available for each project that are coming in or maybe having their first project to get used to get used to the idea of recording in a vacuum and how to perform when it's just you and the microphone. And it's taken a while. You have to really work with somebody coming in to get them to think differently. The actual process we've actually equate to a concept of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. We do recordings in three phases. The first phase, it should sound like the first time you run through a song start to finish. There's going to be wrong notes, there's going to be off rhythms, the vowel shaping isn't going to be the way it's supposed to be, but it's a rough idea of where you are. Then mm-hmm. we, we give feedback on what technicals to correct. Um, wrong pitches, wrong notes, et cetera, et cetera. They come through phase two with those fixes and it should sound like a pretty good run through of the song, maybe a month before the performance. And then the instructed comes more towards the music. Like by then they should have the mechanicals down, but this is where I start using descriptors and specific ideas of how I want, how I want the music to be made. How to put the emotion into the song and things like that, and then phase three, they do triple the amount of the recordings. They re- don't. They do one start to finish take, and then a couple of segmented takes to allow me to have some freedom to comp together mm. the best line mm. possible. It's not all that dissimilar from from a live group going into studio to record. You take yeah, several, it sounds very similar. You take several takes. You do several takes in order for the engineer to pull together the best possible take of your backgrounds, your solos, things like that. I give fairly detailed tracking instructions before the project begins. I also do a video where if there's certain vowel shapes I want, I will demonstrate the vowel shapes and talk through the arrangement as if I was in the room. This process and every aspect of ALP, and this is the biggest thing I'm clear with about people, is that we are not a replacement for a live group. There is nothing like being in a live group and singing a cappella live. What we are, however, is a substitute, and it covers two sets of people. There's the people who have a live group that want to try something different, something that allows them to do it on their own time, things like that. And then we have the subset of people that can't be in a live group for whatever reason. Mostly, it's not as extreme as my situation. Some are Parents of young children who can't get out of the house for a two-hour rehearsal. Some people work non-traditional hours where if they work a night shift, they can't make it to rehearsal because that's when normally when people rehearse. Maybe they're in a remote area of their state or their country that doesn't have a live group available. Our biggest goal is to have an acapella Avenue available to people who don't have the live group option.
2: I think the phrase Avenue is a really great way to say because you say you are a substitute for a live group. but I think and and yes, being in a room with people versus collaborating with them outside of direct contact is inherently a different experience. But, Even if you are a substitute, I think this is a substitute that is going into brand new areas that are really important for the acapella community to recognize. And I think is going to expand. This is something Ryan and I talk about a lot. Is we're in the Mm -hmm. acapella age right now, and this is this kind of project that you're doing expands it. And I think it could be really easy to label this as, oh, this is for people who can't do real groups, and therefore it is lesser. I would say that it is just alternate i mean i'm very compelled by the stuff you're talking about because it just seems like it is another artistic avenue for the world of acapella to to dive into more i think you're talking about people who can't make rehearsals people restrictions that we all have and finding a way to bring acapella into their lives in a different way than we're used to i think that is i think that's great and i'm really excited to keep talking about it we got to wrap up uh really quick this segment because i got to pass it on over to amanda tran for her segment notable coverage but we're going to be right back here on acapella in just a short second this has been john and brian talking with sean pierce of ak alumni and we're going to be right back
0: you're listening to community supported Acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at akaville.org Akaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acapella Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and every week I talk about a different song that is heavily covered in the acapella world, whether or not it's good or bad. For some reason, groups just like to do the same songs all the time. And I'm just here to talk about... Maybe the reasons why or reasons why I think they do them all the time. We're just here to dig in. We all love acapella. Here we go. This is episode 19 and we are talking about Hallelujah. Hallelujah was originally by Leonard Cohen and it came out in 1984. It did decently well on pop radio, but it did not become like a thing thing until 1994, 10 years later when Jeff Buckley did a cover of it and that's the version that most people are familiar with. I would like to say that 2001 was the biggest Halloween moment because it was featured in the soundtrack of the incredible animated motion picture Shrek. Yes, you heard it right. It was on Shrek and I feel like it has had another revival and 17 years later, here we are in 2018. It is back again. Shrek is all over the internet. It's in memes. Smash Mouth had a moment. Smash Mouth still has a moment with All Star. We might have to talk about All Star in a separate episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hallelujah is an incredible song. Um, it's so beautiful. And I feel like everyone who picks up a guitar plays it. And anyone who is in an acapella group has arranged or sung some sort of version of it because of the song's memorable melody. The lyrics are beautiful. It's just, like, it makes sense. It's a go-to song for any group that wants to have, like, that emotional moment in their set. Obviously, the second song, if you're following the ICCA formula. Usually, I'll play a few samples here and there, and I feel like the past few episodes, I haven't given you guys too many samples, but honestly speaking, even though these songs are heavily covered, I am just have not been impressed by all these transcriptions. So when we say transcription, obviously you guys know what that means because you are listening to an Acapella radio station, but it just sounds exactly like the track. And it's not doesn't have any like memorable or really cool moments that are different or innovative from the original version. And that's what I'm always looking for. The ones the arrangements that stick out to me are the ones that are imaginative, maybe experimental, sometimes they're kinda weird, but those are the ones that are interesting because you get an idea of the group's style and their personality, as well as the a look into the arrangers' creative mind when they're going into arrange a song. So all the versions of Hallelujah are passable, I would say. Some of them are not as great as others, but they all pretty much sound the same. It sounds cliche, but I am gonna give a shout-out to Pentatonics because their version that was featured on one of their Christmas albums gets me every single time. At the that ending section where they're all like belting. I like to say skrelting. It's like a scream, but a belt at the same time. I feel like I've talked about this in the Sia episode, but yeah, Skrelt. It's like one of my favorite things when you scream tastefully while you're belting. Um, but yeah, that ending cascading section, it's just so epic and so beautiful. And so like, you know, it makes me want to kind of shed a tear sometimes, but also feel so inspired. It's amazing. And I love it. And pentatonix. Did it again with this one. I've heard them do it live since they've had it this version on their album, um, and yeah. Here is a little bit of "Hallelujah" by Pentatonix. Acapella on Acapella Radio. Again, I'm your host, Amanda Tran. If you have any questions, comments, requests, songs that I should cover, or just any acapella related or any non acapella related thing you want to tell me, feel free to reach out. You can find me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran R O C K S on every single social media platform ever, even MySpace. Just kidding, I don't check that. AOL, AIM, whatever. You can find me anywhere on the internet. I look forward to talking to you guys and I'll see you next time. Bye.
0: If you love acapella music, and since you're listening to this, we're guessing you probably do, and you have a little extra time on your hands, then check out our volunteer opportunities. We have a ton of opportunities posted on our website. There are some in front of the microphone if you want to be a star, or there are some behind the scenes as well, helping everything go smoothly. So check it out. Our website is acaville.com, and you can find a whole bunch of ways to help the station and help the acapella community. Welcome back, everyone. It's Acapella.
3: And we're back on the show. And, uh, man, we've been having a really cool and unique conversation today with Sean Pierce of Acapella. Um, I would kind of argue that we've been talking a little bit about the evolution of Acapella. We always talk about, you know, what's the next stages. And um, I think what Sean is doing with the Acapella alumni project is a really good example of, you know, the direction of where our community can have to involve other people as well as to do some really cool things that might not uh, be afforded to the everyday person. Mm-hmm. So Sean, just to kind of jump back in here, one of the things that comes to mind is just this whole idea of group dynamics and I know that you all include a lot of different people and when you normally get someone new to the group or you get a member or even say a member who's been with the project for a while you know what's what's their general reaction as they're going through these things because um, a lot of things that we see in uh, current groups who you know have these regular meetings in person you know there's this unity built. There's this um, this sense of, you know, we're doing things, there's this pride that we can build off each other. I'm just curious, you know, what are the normal reactions that people have as they're working through the project?
4: Well, it's been a lot of give and take, and I've had to learn a lot in terms of how to work with people remotely over the months and years. One thing that I didn't mention at the beginning is I have what used to be called Asperger's syndrome. So I'm on the autism spectrum, which given some of the things that come with that can be very interesting in terms of working Mm -hmm one-on-one with people especially over over electronic medium where you don't have vocal tone to work with or you may not exactly be getting on the same wavelength so it hasn't been it's not smooth sailing Mm -hmm. but we're still together and we're still making music we have a core group of people that interact electronically or on the phone or talk to each other we've seen each other live in bits and pieces at different other events we're a proud part of the Contemporary Acapella League is their virtual arm, and we went to a recent retreat there. A couple of our members met up there and met with some other people in Cal. So, it's not that we just kind of sit in our rooms, record, and move on with life. We Mm -hmm. are interacting in fun ways. I mean... We have a private Facebook group where we talk about this, that, and the other thing, what's going on with our lives, music, things of that nature. We have a Slack channel where we're starting to try to get more back and forth going on with that. We even played Cars Against Humanity together online, (laughs) 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 which is always interesting.
2: (laughs) I think this is so, so cool because what you're kind of showing is how, I mean, the Ack Alumni Project is proof of how relationships can be built in- 2018 uh, fun fact i have never met brian in person he came on i posted in the casa facebook group like hey i want guests brian came on for two episodes then a few months later i was like you know i need a co-host and brian was the one who i wanted to ask and we have now done i think like about 15 episodes together since he's come on and we've formed a good friendship and and we have a professional personal relationship based on our shared love of acapella and this is an example of how you do that what you're doing Sean in a group setting like you couldn't mm-hmm. do this stuff 20 years ago and it's so yeah. cool that I can have this relationship with Brian and we can talk about acapella and you can have this relationship with other people and you can make acapella and i think this is just another example of people finding like new almost kind of wrinkles in how they can quote unquote do acapella and that's so cool because it, it's frankly it seems very cutting edge and i think you should yeah. be really proud of that because it is redefining what an acapella group can do and also how an acapella group can exist if that makes sense because if this was just you know and i love the virtual choir by eric whitaker but and it was designed in a way that, you know, the people submitting, they're not all friends with each other. The whole thing is like it's mm-hmm. a mass kind of gathering of vocal parts and recordings. But the fact that you've created a community, even though you don't constantly see each other, I think is, is it's, it just seems very modern. And I think it's pretty heartwarming especially for people who, again, maybe they just live somewhere and they don't live by their friends. And now they have this avenue through something you created to have these bonds with people. And I think that's something to be proud of. And it's something the acapella community should look at because it's another way that we can expand and bring people in.
3: John, you you brought it up perfectly and tied it into what I was thinking. I was like thinking a lot of times people ask, you know, what makes Acapella different. And I think this ACK alumni project is an example of that because there's like this dynamic that it, our art form draws people together over long stretches. I'm like, yeah, people have done this whole, you know, like I said, multi tracks with, you know, instrumentations and they, they can do all that. But there's nothing quite like I've seen with ACK alumni taking place in any other kind of um, performance space and yeah. so it's uh, it's another layer to you know what why i love this this genre at the end of the day so that 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 was just perfect i just wanted to, have to have Yeah man to, like.
4: well the core the core of why we work is because the starting people that came in loved a cappella in college loved singing it missed it. Mm-hmm. That's where our core is drawn from is people who live for this. I mean, not necessarily as a career,
2: but as a passion. And that makes sense that you can get the passionate people all together that way.
4: That they want to, that they want to do but just simply don't necessarily have all the tools necessary necessarily where they are.
3: Yeah. And and that makes so much sense because I'm thinking about, um you know, people who do these kind of performance things throughout college. You know, if you normally, from what I've seen is if you have someone who is really big into, you know, the choral uh, music space, you know, they normally go off after they, they're done performing and they go teach. Cause a lot of times those are music majors. Or if you get, you know, some instrument instrumentalists, you know, they go off and, you know, they make a career out of it. Acapella, a lot of people aren't in it. To you know, make a, a you know a living off of it, but there's still that passion to want to continue really doing it, which is why there's such a need for something like this. And so I'm like, I, I hope it just continues to you know keep going and keep getting bigger and bigger. And so that no, that's awesome, and nothing wrong with me switching gears a little bit. But I, I did want to kind of bring a little bit more personally back to to you, Sean. Um, and so I know we talked a little bit about, you know, disabilities within acapella, uh, you know, involving you and, you know, I've seen a lot more and more groups. One of the things I actually love about acapella is that it is a very inclusive community. It's wonderful that if you can sing and you have a desire and a group is looking for you, there's a really good chance that you can make a group. And I've seen tons of videos where I've seen people who might have some some kind of disability. They're in groups and it doesn't stop them. It keeps pushing them forward and propelling groups. And, you know, how how do you kind of deal with that? What were your experiences?
4: I've run into it here and there. I've always been of a mind that as long as you've got a voice to sing with, everything else is just kind of part of the visual package and unfortunately mass media puts a lot more emphasis on the visual Mm -hmm. more so than the musical but if you look back through history there were a number of blues artists that had disabilities blind fill in the blank here where the five the blind boys of alabama is a great example Mm -hmm. teddy pendergrass paralyzed Mm -hmm. from the neck down yeah but he still went on stage with a headset mic and a wheelchair and brought the house down for many, many years after that accident. It's all about passion and how much you want to have that feeling in your life. Everything that I'm doing right now, the learning the learning how to edit, to mix, arranging, things like that. Do I miss singing? Yeah, of course I do. The idea behind a passion is to make that passion be part of what you do in your everyday life by any means possible. And I, there's a group called Project Phil, Project Philly, based out of Philadelphia. That's an adult post group. There was, they had a member that was blind in there. I've seen other areas. Even if they're like on crutches for like short term, they're mm-hmm. still on stage. They don't tell them, "Do not take the stage." Yeah. So yeah, you are right. Acapella in and of itself generally is very inclusive of different disabilities to a certain extent different ages things of that nature and that's a great that's a great thing to have and it does help us in bringing people back into their passion wherever they are
2: totally do you think there is anything more the acapella community can be doing to be more accessible for individuals living with disabilities
4: i think one of the biggest things is to have more avenues of groups that aren't trying to be the next pentatonics, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We call ourselves proud amateurs. And we come from a wide, our oldest member is over 50. I'm close, but I'm not there yet. And we have some members in our 20s, a lot of parents, especially parents of young kids, divorced people, people from all different walks of life. We may not be putting out the best pure music out there, but we're doing our thing. We're having fun doing it, and we present a good product. And for us, that's enough. And I think where acapella has gone, where you see all these five-person or six-person groups putting out level-high ear up, up to your up to your forehead of great music. It can be intimidating sometimes for the person who doesn't doesn't feel like they're up there enough to be able to hold their own part in a six-person group. There isn't a part of Cal's mission is to create groups that keep your love of singing going forward. But even in Cal, a number of the groups are six to eight or six to eight people by design. And that's and that's great. They're not they're, they don't have designs on being the next on being the next um, Bill Armonic or anything like that. They're just having fun with it. But I wish there were more college size post college groups, you mm-hmm. know, where they where they have twelve to eighteen members, um, where people can just go and do their thing. And if it's not state of the art, it's okay as long as they're enjoying doing it and people are enjoying listening to it. I just feel that perhaps unintentionally, there's this level of I'm not I'm not at the level to be doing this the way we were doing it 20 years ago. If that makes if that makes sense, and especially if you're over 30, it's not particularly encouraging in terms of what new groups are looking for out there, especially in terms of professionally. Um, 18 to 27 is a thing, but even if you're just doing it part time. It's mainly 20 to low 30-somethings that are doing it consistently. So there's a concern there that sometimes that may make people over a certain age who aren't perfect singers, can't stand on stage for an hour-long concert, who have major anxiety issues that prevent them from having the confidence to sing with other people. All these things, they don't feel like they can do it. I want to be the group for everyone else.
3: Yeah, and I think that's super important that, and you're bringing, you're talking about this idea of limitations with acapella. And I, I think back to a lot of, that's a lot of how a lot of college groups start and form is because there was something that was lacking, um, on, at their campus or, you know, they didn't get into it or, you know, the ups, the other side to that is just a lot of people, there wasn't something offered for them. And I think it's super important in an age where we have, Like pentatonics, or um, you know, strano chasers, or or swingles that are super, super cool, super talented groups. There there aren't people that are there are people that are aren't looking for the same exact thing. It's it's in the similar vein how a lot of kids going to college and who have an interest in acapella and they're not looking for a competitive acapella group. They're looking for an outlet. More than anything else, and you know, it doesn't have to be this high complex thing. They just want to sing just for the sake of it, and I think it's really important to uh, not only us as a community, but to the listeners out there, yeah. that we give them that um, that diversity in regards to what their ear picks up and what their ears hear, because. You never know, you know how what fascinate what might fascinate someone because yep. there are times when I'm really of a purist standpoint and I'm like, oh, I want the acapella that's not super produced and I just want to hear the voices and I'm okay with a, a bit of minor flaws because that feels raw, that feels um that fills me up and that that really lights a fire within me and then there are other times where you know i want the really super cool um produced drums at the end <laughs> of the day so i think i think it's super important that we have that that spectrum of different groups it's
4: there's room in the culture for pentatonics and there's room in the culture for the persuasions and yeah. every point in between
3: that's exactly that's
2: a i great mean if you way ever listen it. to
4: the persuasions they are not the most technically tight group in, in the world, but man, do you hear that passion.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, you pretty much said everything, but if we can give listeners that full spectrum, that full like acapella diet of everything in between, mm-hmm. there's a better chance something in there Will appeal to them. And Sean, what Ock Alumni is doing, I think, is is a key part of that spectrum. Maybe there's someone who think who is an okay singer, but they have crippling anxiety, or they just they they like singing, but they don't want to get up there and perform. This is an avenue now for them where they can record in their own space and still get that satisfaction of seeing a finished product without having to necessarily put themselves in that space that might not feel completely comfortable for them. So it's it's creating as many opportunities as we can. And the result will be that mm-hmm. acapella will not only get better, but it's also going to get bigger. Because like you said, Brian, more people are going to find their little part of acapella. There are people who love barbershop, who don't like contemporary acapella. What if we like just yeah. didn't have barbershop? Then we would not have so many awesome voices and so much awesome music and so many great personalities. So with what Sean's doing with Acapella Alumni, now that is just one more facet that someone can hook onto. And it's just going to expand. And I think these kind of outside of the box projects and ideas that like what Sean's doing with alumni are the things that are going to help transition us from the acapella boom into an acapella age. Cause we've been in this boom since, you know, I think like basically like 2008, you know, pentatonic straight note chaser, sing off pitch, perfect glee, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, but it's still sustaining. And I think we're at a point where we're kind of looking inward and saying, well, what can we do differently rather than like, what's the next big thing? It's more like, what's the next little thing that could potentially get one more person involved in the art form. And I think this kind of out-of-the-box thinking is exactly what the acapella community needs to get bigger, to get better, and to be more satisfying and more open to people of all abilities and all skill levels.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I agree, John. I think you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to find a different use for it, you know? Oh, I
2: like that. Did
3: you come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> i think i i think oh, i might have man, I, I, like to say that. That.
2: <laughs> I really like that uh yeah. we gotta take one more quick break but man i am gonna use that metaphor in like my teaching one day and I'll, i'm just gonna completely <laughs> take credit for it uh and everyone's gonna think i'm, I'm as wise as the great brian alexander sean oh, thanks so much was, for coming with us today and talking about this let's take one more quick break we're gonna pass it on over to aaron mccullough of across the pond our uk uh correspondent I like to call her, and then we're going to be right back here on acapella.
0: You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where vocal music is our forte. <laughs>
5: Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Pond. I'm Erin and Across the Pond is all about bringing you the highlights of a cappella in the UK. Um, today we're spotlighting a very special group, Tone Up. They're from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. And I have got my sister Tara on the phone who is an alto and the publicity officer of Tone Up on the phone. We're live with Tara from Tone Up. Hi Tara, how are you doing? Hi Aaron. I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, I hope the listeners aren't going to find this too confusing because Tara is my sister uh, and we have extremely Woohoo! similar voices. <laughs> um, so Tara, talk to me about your personal experience with Tone Up, when you joined, what stage you're at now?
6: So I joined Tone Up this time last year. I didn't initially get into Tone Up and then I was recruited last minute um, and my experience with Tone Up has been absolutely amazing before I joined Tone Up and um, I didn't actually understand acapella. I didn't really have a vibe for it at all. But Erin, um, you were always talking about it to me. So when I joined it was almost like everything just came into light and I finally <laughs> welcome had, to the weird know, world of acapella. I was. I was really welcome to it and everyone's so lovely and I love my group and I really enjoyed the music and I learned so much about sight singing, about different harmonies, and I really enjoyed performing.
5: Um, talk to me about Tone Up. So what what were your sort of achievements from last year? What did you learn from those?
6: So last year we entered the Voice Fest UK, which I know acapella were also a part of and everyone, and we achieved outstanding overall performance. And also our MD, Fraser Hume, won outstanding soloist so overall it was pretty much a big win for Tone Up and since we're quite a new group that was only our third year of competing and it was a big accomplishment for us. When did Tone Up form actually? It formed four years ago so about I think it was like October November time four years ago.
5: Okay wow. They started yeah. How many groups are in the Edinburgh Uni Acapella Society? So there's about seven larger groups and then a few groups of like three or four, I'd say about three groups of that. So it's a pretty big society. And do you have many non-competitive groups or?
6: Yes, so there's only three competitive groups and all the rest are non-competitive.
5: Okay, and and are Tone Up planning on doing any competitions this year?
6: Yes, so Tone Up are planning to do Voice Fest UK, Scottish Acapella Championships and ICCAs so this sure we've got like a lot on our plate that's a lot
5: yeah <laughs> so I don't I don't know if many of the listeners on Ackerville Radio would know anything actually about the Scottish Acapella Championships because that's incredibly niche within the it's UK so community niche. so what's what's the difference between that and the ICCAs for example what do you have to do to prepare for that is it the same sort of idea or is it completely different
6: So it's a lot more informal. This year I'm actually on the committee for the Scottish Acapella Championships um, and it's mostly run by students of the University of Edinburgh.
5: Uh, So it's not Um, like a formal organisation?
6: No, it's, yeah, we try to run it as formally as possible, but we actually organise it and set it all up ourselves. The competition happens in Edinburgh, but um, acapella groups from all over Scotland come down for it. So we have um, St Andrews, we have a group from Glasgow
5: this year and multiple other groups. And who who judges that? Like how do you sort of legitimise that process if it is students running it? So at the minute we're in the um, process of recruiting judges for it. I'm not really involved in that. Um, And wh- when is that? That's on the 3rd of March or the 4th. It's still under consideration. What would you say is your sort of your niche what is your usp what do you guys focus on
6: our usp well we just focus on having fun really like honestly a lot of us are just there for the crack just there to have a good time but the crack can we just confirm
5: what the word crack means (laughs) (laughs) um irish word for fun (laughs) like i admire that you guys have such a good balance of you know, just really enjoying yourselves and not worrying too much, but also actually being a really good group. Yeah, yeah. Well, closer to
6: competition time, we get more stressed and more uh, focused, but... Um, do you have any plans us.
5: for releasing any music this year?
6: No, we don't, actually. Um, it's all been kind of up in the air, to be honest, but at the minute, we're actually focusing on um, an arrangement that highlights problems with mental health and puts, like, a personal spin on everything, and we're going to, like... Include spoken word poetry and like, I don't know, we're in the minute of all like working towards that and it's gonna be a collaboration. It's
5: really exciting at the minute. Uh, I know the, the Oxford Alternatives did a completely original ICCA set last year um, about mental health. Like they wrote 12 minutes of music about that. Oh, so wow. yeah, really cool. And yeah. obviously, Acapella did loads of fundraising for mine. So it seems like I was just it's being talked say, about yeah. in, in the UK Acapella community, which is really good. So where can people listen to your music and did you release anything last year?
6: So last year we released a single, uh, a New York mashup, and that's available on Spotify, iTunes and YouTube. And if you just type in Tone Up New York, it will be up there. Um, We have a very nice little music video uh, to accompany that song.
5: Because you guys are obviously from Edinburgh and all live in Edinburgh, would you not consider doing the Edinburgh Fringe, like putting on a show at the the fringe for a couple weeks or is that off the cards off the table
6: every year they've attempted to do it but for some reason it never happens i think it's just because since we live here all year everyone just wants to get out so many groups though
5: so many groups travel up to edinburgh and it costs them an arm and a leg to put on a show for two weeks but i just i feel Um, like you guys are missing a trick
6: i might can i just join Aquapella this year (laughs) potentially we'll see
5: (laughs) Well, Tara, thank you so much for talking to us and hopefully we'll catch up with Tone Up later in the year and I wish you all the best with your competitions.
6: Oh, thank you so much. It was really nice speaking to you.
5: <laughs> so that was Tara from Tone Up from the University of Edinburgh. As she said, you can catch her single, The New York Medley, um, on all streaming platforms. Um, tune in to the next Across the Pond. We'll be interviewing the president of... Oxford's group Out of the Blue who you will probably have heard of thank you so much for listening until next time
7: if I can
3: And welcome back to Talk Acapella. So we've had the extreme pleasure of having Sean Pierce of Acapella join us on our show today. And we've been talking about some really great topics from just accessibility with Acapella with the things that they're doing over there to challenges that some singers face being an Acapella group. And just to kind of wrap things up, we always like to Ask our guests, you know, if they could offer one piece of advice to the acapella community, what would it be? So, Sean, we pose the question to you. What advice would you give to the community?
4: I'm not even going to talk to just the community. I want to talk to the fans, the people that love acapella, love to sing it, and maybe wish that they had done it in college back in the day, but they think now that they're past that. You are never too old, and it is never too late. Find your passion. Check us out. If recording online isn't your thing, find a local group, find a local barbershop chorus, get out there. There is nothing like being able to sing. And to so many people want to sing and be part of this community. Come get it. Get at it. We're right. We're here waiting for you.
2: Very well said, Sean. I I think that's great. And I think we can all go for it. A little bit more. We can all take those risks. And I'm glad a group like yours is another thing people can take a risk on. I I, I think that's really great. If people want to find out where you are, what you're all about, how to get involved, how could they do that, Sean?
4: Well, our website is akalaminiproject.com. And that has where you can sign up, where you can find out about signing up, a frequently asked questions page, and all of that. Our Twitter and Instagram and our Patreon is all at project. Um, in fact, for people on Patreon, we actually have a special holiday giveaway Ooh. coming up for people who are who are our patrons on or on or before December tenth, two thousand eighteen, which is our next which is the date of our next release. Check out Patreon. We're going to make the official announcement on our Facebook page and our social media. Facebook page is also Acha Alumni Project. And we'll have that special announcement next Wednesday, Wednesday, November 14th. We will yeah. have that information out there. Sweet. Also, I hate to be the type of person that jumps ahead of holidays because we all know <laughs> that person that <laughs> is Christmas when it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I know. Oh, we are <laughs> going, We are going to be offering video Valentines. Live groups groups everywhere have done the singing Valentine. We're taking it to the digital age. Our recordings, your pictures, your 30-second I love you or Happy Valentine's Day to whoever, all put in one nice, neat little package. It's to help fund what we do because recording, producing videos, things of that nature isn't free. And we don't like to charge our members for the right to do this. We try to keep this with the only expense being what they outlay for their equipment. So Patreon and this fundraiser are what help keep us going. So beyond right around Right around the tenth, we'll start. Unfortunately, we'll have to start talking about it because if we wait until after Christmas, it's too late. So Brian, I'm going to for- get you
2: one of these. I'm going to make. I'm going to get you oh a, a video. I know you. I know you just got married, but I'm I'm going to get you one, and uh, it's going to be beautiful.
3: I'm okay with making her jealous if you want to do yeah. that for me. Yeah, Yeah, man. I, I love this idea. So <laughs> I'm not even upset.
2: Oh, this is great. So uh, just for everyone who is listening um this episode is going up on November Tuesday November 13th that's when it's airing so check out what Sean is talking about with all these great opportunities and and check out acc alumni with what everything they're going to be announcing come November 14th that that's information is coming out the day after this air. Sean, That that's so cool. And thank you again for coming on today. Brian, if people want to see what you're all about, man, or send you a Valentine um, mm. through through ACA alumni, how
3: could they do that? Oh, well, definitely. Please send me any Valentines you're wanting to uh, on Twitter. <laughs> of course, you can uh, DM me. My handle is at Brian with an I underscore A05. And uh, as always, please go follow all the channels associated with college acapella.
2: And then everyone, you can find me at John Lampis on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to send me some videos from <laughs> from Sean's group, uh, you are more than welcome to. But but let's be honest, you probably want to send them to Brian. I do, too. So, uh, everyone, <laughs> John, thanks I'm for joining us.
4: <laughs> A of my project is coming soon to Akaville. We're starting to send you over the recordings.
2: Awesome. Yes, yes. I wanted to follow up on that. Great job. Sean, thanks for coming on today. This was great. It's been my pleasure and my privilege. Thank you both for having me. Of course, everyone, this was a super fun and important episode of Ta And for everything acapella, please stay tuned.
0: You're listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at Acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door. <laughs>
7: Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins and welcome to Tacapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions, where I will be talking about different tips and tricks that will help your acapella group get to the next level. So I've seen a couple of comments recently from acapella leaders that say, how do I get the group more engaged? They don't really seem to care very much. Like when solo opportunities come up, no one seems to want to audition. Well, my general answer to that is there seems to be a lack of community if they're feeling apathetic about the group. By that, I mean they don't feel like the group gives them a sense of belonging, nor do they feel like they truly believe in what it is that you're doing. With any organization, whether it be acapella group or a business, you need to make people believe in the cause that you stand for or are aiming towards, and a feeling that this is their extended family. And that doesn't only include the members of your group, but it extends to the fans as well. And there are a variety of things that you need to make this happen, and I want to break them down, but today we're going to just focus on one, and that is the creation story. Do you know how your group came to be? Who the founder is? What year it started? The why and the how? If you can't answer all these questions, do some research and find out. It's very important that you and the members of your group are very familiar with this story. Why is it important? Well, the most successful organizations in history have a well-known creation story. Think about Disney, Apple, or even the USA. Just those three alone, I bet you could have told me at least a few things about the history of Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, and the Founding Fathers, right? You may think, hey, well, we're just a, an acapella group, but it doesn't really matter who you are. If you want people to care and feel like they have a connection with that organization, a creation story is necessary for your long-term success. Stories is how we connect and communicate since the beginning of time. It's how we process the world and is as basic to us humans as eating. People have a basic desire to connect with other people and stories is one of the strong ways that we feel that connection. So find out the who, when, how, and everything in between of the history of your group and take some time to make sure the whole group knows. If one of the original members, or even better, the actual founder is nearby, reach out to them and see if they would like to come to one of your rehearsals and talk about the group and some of the history and their time in the group. If they aren't, see if they're willing to set up a call or a Skype session. We have the technology and resources now to make all this happen, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to find out, right? And when you do, make sure you share that story every year. Each generation of singers needs to know this story so that it gets passed down for year after year. Do you have a concert? Great, share that story with your audience too. It doesn't have to be long, just enough to share how you came to be and why you're on that stage. The audience will feel an even stronger connection with your group if they know where you came from. And aside from the bond and camaraderie within the group, a strong relationship with your audience is everything. So yes, a creation story, moral of the story, have one, share it, that's all. And I'll keep sharing more ways to build a community, both inside and outside of your group. So tune in next week. But if you have specific questions, I would love to hear them so you can post them on Occaville's social media sites, or you can reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment of Asking for Directions.